We're going to conclude this series on grace today, for now anyway. And today I want to just share a lot of the principles of grace that really have touched me and helped me to know and be safe with God. And we'll go into some scripture to help prove a certain understanding of Jesus is the mediator. Being safe with God is such an important part of grace. And once I really receive the understanding of grace, at least to what I have now, listen, there's gonna, we're always going to learn more of God every day for the rest of our life. We're going to have more and more of God and more understanding. And that's why it's important to have the right foundation, because then God could build upon that truth. So there's going to be much more to be taught of grace, but I'm sharing with what I know now, at least. <laughs> and uh, we'll go deeper into it down the road as we keep praying in the Holy Ghost. I remember years ago, the, the two words that were taught to me was justified and righteousness. And the way we describe justified, I'm justified by the blood of Christ, that justification means just as if I never sinned. So if I go to God with a truly repented heart, not a like a pretend repent, but a really repentive heart, and ask Him to wash me by the blood of Jesus as His child, it's just as if I never sinned. Uh, I'm washed clean, and God's excited to help me to go forward and to keep moving forward. And that's such an important part of grace, to be safe in knowing that if you stumble or struggle in an area, and with a heart of repentance, you go to Him and ask to be washed by the blood, that is for family. You're clean by the blood of Christ. You're already family. You don't lose family when you struggle. Now, you can walk away from sin if you play with it too long, but that's a deeper road, and that's for certain people that are, are willing to make a way for their flesh. I don't want you to always... Be afraid that God's going to kick you to the curb or get rid of you or abandon you because you're afraid you're not perfect. God knows you're not perfect. He knew before you were born again you wouldn't be perfect. And he's made a way for you to run into his presence as if you never sinned by the blood of Jesus to wash you. He's made a way for you to never be afraid of God in the sense that he's going to reject you. He loves you. He's for you. And that is the heart and the foundation of why we pursue holiness. Not to get God to love me more, but because He loves me so much. And the other word that has helped me is understand righteousness. That I am righteous because of the new nature in me. Not because of my actions, but because of the new nature of righteousness. And righteousness means what gives me the right to believe for my healing. And you may hear this argument from... Your, your, from people, even from your own natural man and natural thoughts that say, what gives you a right to believe that God loves you so much? What gives you a right to believe God's going to heal you or provide for you? What gives you a right to believe for these things? Look at you. You're not good enough. You're not perfect. What gives you a right? Well, what gives me a right to believe for these things, the promises of God, is that I am righteous because of the new nature in me. And that means I'm family. God is my father. And the only thing that makes gives me a right to believe for these things is not because I've done something, not because I gave money, not because I, um, I'm perfect in holiness. What gives me a right is the righteousness that comes from my new nature, meaning I'm now family, a child of God. Man, Jesus is amazing. The price that he paid, the work that he did, the plan of God to redeem us into his family is so complete and so amazing. And unfortunately, much of the church world 
never experiences this. They have a shallow, much of the church world has a, a shallowness in their understanding of who they are in God, a shallowness in their their relationship with God, not for their passion or their love for God, but just in understanding what God and Jesus did just to get us into the family of God. He loves you. There's never a question. He loves you. He loves me. I'm going to start, I think, in Galatians today, and I want to just give a, a nice overview to conclude this series again for now, because I'm sure down the road we'll add more. But for now, if you haven't got a chance to listen to the, the other teachings in this series, please do that. You'll find it on our channel that you can find the other teachings. The goal is to paint a picture from Scripture with truth and proof that you are a child of God and that you don't need to be afraid of God abandoning you because you're not good enough. And so many times in my past when I was struggling with understanding grace, I would be fearful to go in God's presence. I was unworthy. In fact, I would not ask for certain things in my life because I didn't feel deserving. Why would I ask when I haven't even done this? Or why would I even ask if I... I can't even overcome this. And and knowing who you are as a child of God, I think, is probably one of the most important things we can learn in our ability to be loved by God and experience love by God. You know, they showed a, a dog one time, and a big dog that was abandoned and left out in the wilderness, and someone found it, and it was matted up and starving and, and mean, because it, had to, it was abandoned by its family, and it had to survive, and and they took it to the pound, and they cleaned it up. And they showed a loving person, a loving woman who wanted to adopt that dog. And it showed them trying to feed it, and the dog would fight them and wouldn't eat the food. And and that, that person took, I think, a week where they would just sit outside the cage and just spend hours and hours and hours just being there so the dog would get comfortable with them. And then they put a little food and the dog would eat a little bit. Then they eventually they moved inside the cage and would sit and move closer and closer till after a week or it may have been longer, that dog finally accepted the love of that person who wanted to adopt it and bring it home and take care of it the rest of its life and and love on it. And, and But it took about a week or so before it even would accept love. And I think that that's many Christians are struggling with that is they're so busy trying to get his love they they don't they feel unworthy and God's constantly trying to move closer and closer just so that you will accept what he wants to do and, and desires to do in your life. And if we don't get out of busyness and out of earning love, we'll never get to be embraced by him the way he wants to. Because we'll be too busy trying to give him permission where we feel that we're safe. But we understand how much he loves you. You'll know that the moment you're saved, you're safe with God. And the moment you go to heaven, you won't be ashamed. You will be in the presence of your Father. We know there's rewards for those who lay their life down more. We understand that. That will some will receive crowns in heaven, some won't. Um, but we're not talking about that right now. We're talking about a grace that says you're family. And you have a right to receive all things from God because you're family. Not because you earned it but because Jesus paid the price. Galatians chapter 3, that's what I'm reading from right now. And we're just going to read a little bit and, and try to, again, just paint an overall picture that I feel so important for you to have in your heart. God gave us righteousness as a gift, a free gift. 
And so our gift back to him is to give him holiness. Anytime a believer tries to say we don't have to be holy, they really don't have a, a clear view of righteousness. That from our heart and from God's heart, he knows the healthiness of a holy lifestyle. And he knows that's his heart for you, and he's given you everything you need. So we pursue holiness, but not to be righteous. We pursue holiness because we are already righteous. We have the new nature in us. Verse 19, what purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions, till the seed, talking about Jesus, should come to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now, a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. So this is telling us how Jesus is the mediator between a covenant, between God the Father and Jesus the man. And he is the mediator of that covenant because God is one. They can do this. They're one, but they're separate. God tried to make a covenant with man. In fact, you read the Old Testament, it is the Old Covenant. It is a covenant, an example of a covenant. A covenant, again, means a cut of blood, a, a contract sealed in blood between two different people. And the contract is what I have belongs to you and everything you have belongs to me. And we seal that contract by shedding blood together. And then as long as we both keep the rules of the contract, then the contract, the covenant keeps us connected together. But the moment one of us breaks the covenant, then the contract is null and void. And this is what happened with God in the Old Testament, was he had covenants with, with Moses, with Noah, with Abraham, with David, with so many men in the Old Covenant. And man continued to break it. Israel had a covenant, they broke it. And because they broke it, it was always having to have a new covenant again and again, generation after generation. And the law was given to prove that they were never going to be able to keep the covenant. They needed to find an answer because they will never be good enough. That's what the law was for. And it exposed the transgressions in their heart. And they had to look for a Savior, someone to rescue them. And God was able to send them a Savior in Christ for the Jewish people. A covenant was finally complete when Jesus, the man, lived his life. He fulfilled the old covenant, the old laws, and God was able to seal that covenant forever by the blood of Jesus. And that's what Jesus meant on the cross when he cried out, it is finished. Meaning, I am now, as he died, the Lamb of God, I am now finished my work as the covenant sealer. The covenant between God and man was sealed. And, you know, many people are worried about the wrath of God coming on people. And there's certain scriptures that indicate that maybe, you know, that God's angry with men and wants to destroy men. But God loves every man, every person, every child, every nation, every culture. He loves them. He's not trying to hurt them. God, God's not trying to just have a few people in heaven. God wants to fill heaven. He doesn't want hell full. And so God's heart is to rescue as many people as possible. But it has to be legally. It can't just be because he loves us. So God will love you even through your sin and if you choose even into hell. His love doesn't change. So the wrath of God is not against people. It's against really sin. And if you're part of the sinful world and have the nature of sin in you, 
then you should be afraid of meeting God because you will experience his wrath if you're not saved. And not because he's angry at you, but because justification requires judgment. And so does love and righteousness requires judgment against sin. And that is why the wrath of God is coming on this earth, on this world, because it's, it is a fruit of the sin of Satan. And Satan himself will be judged and thrown in the lake of fire. And if you have his nature in you, that's where you go to. That's why we got to be saved, receiving the new nature. But if you have righteousness in you, you won't ever experience that wrath. You'll experience, as I have in my past, correction from God. Correction is never sickness or disease or things like that. Correction is when he speaks to you and says, I expect more out of you. You know better. I expect you to grow. I expect you to overcome this. That is correction. When you start being lazy and you you quit pressing into God, you'll find if you listen, he can correct you like a good father does. But that's not rejection or wrath. That's just correction. And every good father who loves their kids knows they need to be corrected. If you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Verse 20. Now, a mediator does not mediate for one only. But God is one. For the law then against the promises of God. Is the law then against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. So the law wasn't here to bring righteousness. You cannot get righteous, right standing with God, the right to receive from God by being fulfilling the law. Again, the law is not here is not talking about holiness or standards, is talking about the Levitical law. So the law, you cannot get righteousness from the law. If you could have, then the law would have given it. That's why Jesus had to come. But the scripture, verse 22, has confined all under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. So the way you become family fulfill the promise is by believing. What do I believe? That Jesus loves you? Well, Jesus does love you. That's not how you believe. You can believe and think that Jesus loves you. You hear all the time on TV, movie stars or uh, music stars who, who live like the world and they go up to receive an award and they have a history and reputation for fornication and drinking and all the things the world does. They get up and say, I just want to first of all thank Jesus, my Lord. It's watered down the idea of Christianity, that just thinking that God loves you is enough. No, it's not about believing that Jesus loves you. The belief here is that Jesus came to be the mediator of the covenant and to make a way for his father to become your father. This is why we call being born again, making a, a commitment to serve God, making a commitment to receive that new nature from God, to be born again. That's what we must believe, that Jesus paid the price. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith, which would afterward be revealed. So the law came to bring forth Jesus so you and I could believe, and the Jewish people could believe, Jesus was the Savior, the access to God the Father, the access to righteousness. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ. So the law... The Old Covenant was just the tutor, the teacher, to tell us we needed a Savior and to bring us to Jesus, that we might be justified by faith. So what makes me justified is faith 
in Jesus, not my ability to prove that I'm good enough. And I'm getting to the heart of grace, knowing and feeling safe with God when you know you're not perfect. You know, you don't have to hide your weaknesses from God. He already knows that you're weak. And to know that you're safe with Him when He knows that you're weak in areas or struggling with areas is such an important part of family, such an important part of grace to know He still loves me. He's my Father. I may be the the most dysfunctional kid in the family, uh, but I'm still family. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. So we're no longer required to go through the Levitical law to earn righteousness with God. What earns gave us righteousness was accepting Jesus as our Savior, believing that He has paid the price, the wrath of God fell on Him, so it doesn't have to fall on me, because I am born again. For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ, or in Christ Jesus. So what makes you a son of God is faith in what Jesus did and being born again. You're not a son of God because you're perfect. You're a son of God because you're born again. That's what makes you a child of God. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, talking about the new nature, that means that you're reborn as a child of God. And that's why it tells us here there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave or free, there's neither, neither male or female, for you are all one in Christ. Meaning, what makes you part of the family is not what nation you're part of, not what your family history is, is that you're born again. You are now a child of God. You're no longer of a nation, you're no longer of a nationality, you're no longer of a family. You are now family of God. And if you're Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So you are heirs to inherit all the things of God, not because you earned it, but because you received it. See, if you believe that you are prosperous by what you give, and and I want to be careful here, I don't know if I should get into this yet, but if you believe that you're prosperous only because of what you give, in other words, God's going to bless me because I gave him this amount of money. That's what qualifies me for blessing. I want to be careful because I know there's a part of stewardship that if you're faithful in what you have, God can trust you with more and to steward his money. But that's much different than earning it, that I deserve this blessing of God financially because I gave. I gave so God would give back to me. And see, then you're putting yourself in as earning it. I receive it because of what I did. But if you have a belief in you that what allows me to be prosperous is that God made, Jesus made a way for me as an heir, as a, an heir of the kingdom of God into prosperity, then my action will be, oh, I can give you more. I can send finances to whatever, feed the poor, to whatever, to the kingdom of God. Not to get more, not to earn it, not to give me a right to expect it, but because I already have it. And yes, there is stewardship, but stewardship is different than earning it. And again, I see much of the church world in this cycle of trying to earn their prosperity because they don't know enough that they, they can't earn it. And so that's why God tells us to we give to the poor, we lend to him. If I run to a poor person who God says, I want you to give them money or feed their home or pay their rent if someone's going through a hard time, then I'm free to do that because I lend to the Lord, meaning I, as a child of God, should know 
how to go to my father and receive my finances because he's my father out of being a child of God, not out of what I did. So when I meet someone who's poor, I can bless them because they obviously don't know how to let God provide for them. So I will, in essence, speak for God and say, God loves you so much. He wants to, through me, show you that love by blessing you. And then I'm to go back to my father and he will take care of me because I know how, as a child of God, to be blessed by my father. I didn't earn it by taking care of the poor. I took care of the poor because I know how to receive from my father. But they don't, and that's why we take care of them. Anyway, I'm getting off. I don't want to get off. The grace of God. God tried to make a covenant with man. They could not do it. So he made a covenant with Jesus. Jesus became the mediator of that covenant. Let's go over to 1 Timothy. I'm just going to read some verses here. I want you to, to get this in you. Because once you get this in you, you won't be afraid of God. You'll love Him. You'll have respect for Him. You'll honor Him. But you won't have a phobia where you go around every day wondering, oh, today's the day He's going to cut me out. I'm going to go to the presence of God. I'll go to church and, and the prophet's going to look at me and go, you, you're a sinner, you dirty, rotten sinner, and expose me. I won't go into worship and God will give me the cold shoulder, you know, run to the, the Holy of Holies and He sees me coming, He slams the door. I hear it lock. Let me in. No, you're not my child anymore. I gave up on you. Understanding healthy grace means you understand you're safe in the family of God. Knowing that you, if you play with sin or with religion, you can walk away from God, but He'll never walk away from you. And that's the heart of grace. He will never, ever walk away from you. Someone could fall into sin, run away from God, and if they ever, ever, ever cry out for God, He will receive them if they cry out from their heart. The danger of playing with sin and religion is you won't want to cry out to God. And that's when you see people in Scripture in the New Testament lose their salvation. So I'm in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. We'll just read that one. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man. So there is one God and one mediator between God and man. Now look what it says here, verse 5. The man, Christ Jesus. And it emphasizes the man. So what's that saying is God needed a covenant with someone from the human race so that he could make a channel or open a door for people to, in the human race who are going to experience the wrath of God because they're now part of the nature of sin and God and sin don't mix. There's no sin, there's no evil in God. For justice sake, the wrath of God must come against the sin. You see people in our justice system all the time get arrested for something. Maybe they robbed something, they stole something, they hurt someone or murdered someone, and they stand before the judge, and you hear them say, I'm sorry, I didn't know what I was doing. I promise I'll never do it again. Can I go? And justice requires judgment that says, we trust that you'll never do it again, but there is justice that must come forward in this area. And many believers confuse that for, in their life, God's going to kick them out where that justice is coming against the world. 
Jesus came out of the human race. That's why his mother had to be Mary, had to be of the Jewish people, had to be of the human race. So Jesus was born with a natural body of the human race, with a nature of God. So he was technically a man and God at the same time. So the covenant that God made is with the man, Jesus Christ. And Jesus also was the mediator of the covenant, but he is the end of the covenant. He's the other end, God at one end, the man, Jesus, at the other end, representing the human race. And God was able to push all of his judgment onto Jesus, which allowed you to be born into the family of God, meaning that you do not have a covenant with God. I do not have a covenant with God the Father. That covenant is between God the Father and the man, Jesus. And because Jesus fulfilled the law, he could also be the Lamb of God and shed his blood. And then he's also the mediator and the high priest. I mean, Jesus did it all. Why we want to think that we earn anything when we realize how much Jesus did everything just so we can be born into the family of God is beyond me why we want to try to add to what he did and not just receive the beautiful thing that he did. So if you're born again, you don't have to worry about receiving the wrath of God. If you're not born again, it's not personal. It's not because he just doesn't like you that much. The only reason the wrath of God is going to hit the human race is because sin is in their nature. It's the sin that receives the wrath, the judgment, not the people. But if you're attached to it, you will end up in hell in the lake of fire. And that's because you never got born again. You chose not to receive Christ for whatever reason. You chose to try to do it on your own. Religion does that to you, tells you to earn it. And pride is in religion. Pride can be in people's life where they think they are going to earn it. They're going to be good people. I'm good enough. I don't smoke. I don't drink. I I don't fornicate. I give to the poor. I'm a nice person. God should accept me. He doesn't accept you because you're a nice person. He only accepts you because you had faith that Jesus paid the price for you, and that's why you got born again. So God made a covenant with the mediator, and the mediator between God and man was the man Jesus. Jesus fulfilled that covenant with the Father, and then it was sealed once and for all, never to be broken. So this access to the Father can never be broken. It's sealed. God does no longer have to break ties with the human race for the rest of mankind until the trumpet sounds at least. We have an open door to go from the human race into the new family called the children of God. I am no longer human. I know that sounds funny and people you know, aren't saved may not understand that, but you're saved so you'll understand it hopefully. I'm not human anymore. My nature is not of Adam, not of the Taylor family anymore. My nature is of God. He is my father. I am a child of God by nature. That's who I am. I'm not of the human race. I'm of a different family, a different species even than the human race. I'm wearing the body from the human race, but who I am and who's going to heaven is a child of God, of the family of God. That's the species I'm from. When you go to work, just say, make an announcement, school or work, Just want everyone to know I'm not of this planet. I'm of an alien planet, another species. I'm a heaven is my home. This world is just where I'm traveling through. I'm just a traveler at this time heading to heaven. 
I'm not human anymore. And, and they'll laugh at you, but it's the truth. Uh, let's go over to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. And just stay with me because I'm trying to do a, a conclusion and painted image and a picture of proof from Scripture. So it's in your heart that you'll have a confidence that you can be safe with God as your Father and not have a phobia that, oh, I, I, didn't, I slept in for, didn't make it to church, or I didn't pray, or I struggled in the area or stumbled in the area. God's going to shut the door on me. I want you to be safe in your struggles, to know that God loves you, as long as you're struggling with them and not trying to embrace them. You should be afraid of sin, and you should be afraid of religion. But don't ever be afraid of God. He's your Father. Hebrews chapter 9. And I'm going to read here verse 11. From verse 11. For Christ came as high priest of all the good things to come. So we see Christ as a man, and now we see Christ as a high priest. I did a, a service a few years ago, a series on Hebrews. It's on our website if you're interested. My, one of my favorite ones that came out was Jesus, the one-man show. Do you ever see someone who plays you know, five instruments? they got drums attached on their back and their foot a chord and push the foot down, the drum beats, and they play a little guitar and harmonica, and they're singing. They do, they're playing six instruments at one time and singing the one-man show. Well, Jesus was the one-man show. He did everything, everything necessary to complete this covenant between him and the Father. Jesus did it all. That's why we cannot approach God trying to take any credit, trying to earn anything, only receiving, only receiving what Jesus had done for us. What gives me a right to receive healing is not that I've been good. It's because I believe that Jesus paid the price. What gives me a right to receive my finances is that I believe that Jesus took poverty, that I might be rich. What gives me a right to believe for salvation for my family is not because I gave in an offer. It's because I believe that Jesus paid the price for them to be saved. And that gives me a right to stand in faith and confess for their salvation. But Jesus came as high priest of the good things to come with a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is not of this creation. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. So Jesus, as the high priest, took the blood of Jesus the man. With his own blood, he entered into the most holy place once and for all. This is in heaven. Having obtained eternal redemption. So once and for all. So we don't need, he doesn't need to do this every day or once a year like the high priest had to do in the old covenant. Obtain eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience? from dead works to serve the living God. So dead works here is anything you do to try to earn something that righteousness can only purchase. A lot of Christians are doing things financially, trying to give money to get God to do things. The one I hate the most is when someone says on TV, you have a family member that's sick and dying. Listen, what I need you to do is 
get out your checkbook. I want you to write your biggest offering you can that you can afford because you're a child of faith. And wrap that need, that cry of your heart for the for the salvation of a loved one or for the health of a loved one. Wrap that check around it and turn it into a seed. And now plant that seed so you can show faith in your salvation. And when you do that, you can trust that God will be able to heal the sick, your loved one, or God will be able to see your family saved. And, I mean, I don't want to preach against that too much because I do believe it's important that we are stewards and we give. But when you start to think that my giving opens the door for God to do something, you're bypassing the scripture that says that you can't earn it. You can put yourself in dead works trying to earn something that righteousness already has done. So you could say, if you're believing for God, believe because Jesus was enough. And on your heart, if you feel to give, then you give. But somewhere it got twisted in some places where we feel that unless I give a donation of finances, then I can't, I don't have a right to ask God for something. I don't have the right to believe for a promise of God. You need to stop that. What gives you a right to believe for anything from God is that Jesus has paid the price. That's what gives me a right. And because I have His nature in me, I am righteous as righteous as Jesus is. I'm not as holy yet as Jesus is, obviously, but I'm as righteous because it's his nature in me. And that's what makes me righteous, and that's what gives me the right to receive from God his promises. Now, if you want to believe for a billion dollars, then you have to prove to God that you're a good steward. That's different, though. Being a good steward lets God trust you with more. You never earn it. Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Verse 15, For this reason he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of eternal inheritance. And so many beautiful words in there. Inheritance. Like, how do you earn an inheritance? You just The only way you receive an inheritance is you have to be born into the family. So if you're not family, you don't get an inheritance. But if you're born into the family, you can receive it. Can you earn an inheritance? No. You have to receive it. And that's the principle of faith. That's the principle of grace. You are family. I'm going to give us another verse here. I'm trying not to overdo it, but I want to cement this in our hearts as much as possible that I am family. Again, I'll tell Pastor Dave Roberson's explanation of grace, which is my favorite. And because I can't do any better, I'll just tell his. And how you come out of your bedroom at night, you hear a noise, and there's a robber in your house, and he has your TV. You pull out your weapon and say, Freeze! Freeze! Put the TV down. Put your hands up. And the robber says, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I, I'm just, my family's needy. I have no money. I just need help, and, and so you have mercy on him. This is mercy. Okay, please don't call the police. I'll never do it again. And you have mercy. And mercy says, all right, I won't call the police. Now, see, the mercy of God for you was that Jesus took your place, allowing God to give you mercy. Jesus took your judgment, the judgment that you were lined up for, because you were a sinner, Jesus took into himself 
so you can have mercy. And so you say, all right, thief, I'll tell you what, I believe your story. I know you're hard, hard up, so I'm going to let you go. I won't call the police, but don't do this again. Don't let me catch you around my neighborhood. Get out of here. And he runs off, and you have mercy on him. You don't call the police. You don't use your weapon. Now, what grace is, the same story. You come out of your bedroom, you catch a, a robber, put my TV down. I'm sorry, I don't, I just, I've got kids, I don't have money, I'm just trying to feed them. It's just a really hard time. And you say, listen, I understand you're hurting. i tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring you into my family. I'm going to call you my son and make you legally my child. Then all of this house that I have, all my finances, my uh, my bank accounts, everything I have belongs to you. So if you need anything, you can just come and receive it. You won't be stealing. You'll be receiving it. I'm going to give you my name, and I'm going to make you my child. And that's what the grace of God did for you. It allowed you to be born into the family of God. You are now his child. And so everything we ask for, we ask for from a position of righteousness, a position of Jesus paid the price for me to receive the promises of God. We don't ask from a position of earning where I earned this, God. Look what I did. I I won souls for you. I fed the poor. I've been faithful to church. I've been praying in tongues, all these things, trying to earn it. So therefore, because I did these things, now you will give it to me because I deserve it. But see, you'll never deserve something that Jesus already paid for. He's the mediator that sealed it with his blood once and for all. So I want to read here Hebrews 8, verse 1. Now this is the main point of the things we are saying. We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of God, at the throne of the majesty in the heavens, ministering at at the sanctuary and at the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man. And every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one also have something to offer. If he were on the earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law. So this one, Jesus the Mediator, had to offer something. He had to supply it and offer it, talking about his blood. Who served the copy and shadow of the heavenly things as Moses was divinely instructed that he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown to you on the mountain. But now he has obtained more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also the mediator of a better covenant which was established on better promises. So, in conclusion of this part, what I'm saying is Jesus did it all. And he's made you, by gift, and by you believing in what Jesus did, he's made you righteous because you have a new nature. That's what gives you a right to receive from God. Receive salvation, receive your needs being met, receive freedom from sin, receiving healing. It must be built on this foundation that I am an heir of the kingdom of God because he has brought me into his family by what Jesus has done. So the contract, the covenant, 
is between the Father and the, the man Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus. And it was sealed by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus. And it was brought, that blood of the Lamb was brought up into the heavens by the high priest, your high priest, Jesus. And that blood was shed around the holy temple in heaven, the tabernacle, to seal it once and for all, to legally, meaning the devil can never take it away from you. He can't just, there'd be no legal way for the devil to stop this from happening. And all you had to do was believe that Jesus did all this so you could be a child of God. And also, if you're believing for something, what gives you a right to believe for it is not that you have something extra to offer, but to believe that Jesus had paid the price and made you righteous, a child of God. You're now a child of God, not because you have a covenant with God, but because through the covenant that God has with the man Christ Jesus, that's what legally allowed you, through that covenant, to be born again. You don't have a covenant with God. You have a birth certificate. And if you hold on to that birth certificate, you can receive all the promises of God like a family member, like an heir of the kingdom of God. And that means that even while you're not perfect, God has a right to keep you in the family because you can't break this covenant. That covenant cannot be broken. Now, you can walk away from family. You can leave family and never come back. And sin can take that down the road. Sin can make you do that. And religion can make you do that. But God will never do it to you. I'll give you one more verse out of Hebrews. Uh, Let's just read chapter 13 and underline this if you haven't already. Verse 5, Let our conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So if you have in your heart or in your mind that God can leave you or forsake you, if you're not good enough or you haven't done enough, uh, if you're not holy enough, or if you're struggling with the same area for a long time, then uh, get it out of your mind that God's going to shut that door. You can shut the door, but he'll never shut the door. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm going to finish here in Romans. I think we'll go to chapter 4. And thank you for staying with me. I'm trying to paint an overall version of what we've been talking about in this series. And just so that in our heart you feel safe with God and you have a right to feel safe with God even while you're not perfect. We do pursue perfection. We do pursue holiness. But because we're righteous, how would I ever get holy anyway if I wasn't righteous in the first place? Jesus is the one man show. He's for you. He provided everything you need. Let's pursue him. I'm in Romans chapter 4, verse 13. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. So the promise wasn't through the law. It was through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void. And the promise made of no effect. So talking about the Jewish people and the Levitical law, he's basically saying if they think they earn the right to be saved or the right to receive from God, the right to be heirs, children of God, through their works, then we wouldn't need faith. 
Faith is made void, and the promise made of no effect, because the law brings about wrath. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. The law was given to prove that we were not good enough and can never be good enough in all of our actions, never be holy enough, never be righteous enough to receive the promises of God. Only one man was ever good enough, was ever righteous enough, and that was Jesus. So for us to receive that righteousness, we have to not earn it, but receive it by faith that Jesus, number one, paid the whole price in full, and number two, has legally made a way for him to give it to me by faith. And that's why we call being born again, that I'm taking my old nature and I'm asking God to take it out and give me a new nature, making me a child of God, and therefore an heir and able to inherit all the promises of God, unearned, received. Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also those who are of faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So Abraham's faith to bring Jesus to the earth is what brought Jesus to the earth and allowed Jews and Gentiles to all come to God the Father through the man, child, the man, the son, the high priest, the lamb of Christ. We, through Christ, have access to all of God only because he loved us. We can never deserve it. We can never earn it. We want to have the fruit. You should look at a Christian and see someone who loves God, is passionate about God, someone who serves God, who gives their time to help in their churches, help in feeding the poor. We should be the servants. They should. See, the world should look at you and see someone who, who loves God, who worships, who's passionate about God, who serves God and serves people in the name of God. They should look at us and see people who are givers, that we give our finances to where God tells us to. We give out our finances to help feed the poor and do the work of God. They should see us as holy. We should be living in holiness. They should see us and be different than the world, pursuing holiness. That's what we should be living and that's what we should look like. Because that's what grace does in us, is it allows us to go there. And while we're going there, we're safe with God. Because none of us start off there. But while we're going there, and what false grace does, is it says quit trying to be holy. Quit trying to give. And We want to be givers, but we want to give because Jesus made a way for us not to try to earn it. We're not earners in the kingdom of God. There's nothing we can earn. It can only be received. Don't just seek God's mercy. Seek His grace. The moment you're saved, you have His nature in you. You are now a child of God. And because of that, you have a right to receive anything that God has because you're his child. Well, what do I have to do? Because I'm I'm asking for these things and I don't see them. Well, it's probably, like me, it's because you don't believe yet. If you don't believe, you're not going to expect it. You're not going to receive it. If you're not careful when you're believing for something that's not happening, you're on that path. Maybe healing, finances. You can be tricked into trying to earn it. Well, maybe the reason I call it the treadmill of works you get on this treadmill of works trying to earn something from God. Maybe uh, an answer for a prayer, salvation for loved ones, or healing for your body, or even your needs being met. And you hear this this voice. Well, you've asked God. It hasn't shown up yet. 
So you need to get busy. Maybe it's because you haven't prayed enough. Prayer in the Holy Ghost changes you, but you don't offer God, I prayed an hour, four hours in tongues, God, so now you give it to me. It's not an offering. It's not a works. But it is work that changes you. So you hear this voice, well, maybe you didn't fast enough, or maybe you didn't pray enough, or maybe you didn't give enough money to the poor, or maybe you didn't, uh, you know, you were late for church, or you skipped church, or you didn't worship God right, or you weren't singing during the worship, you know, all those things the devil tells you. You need to go do more soul winning. So you start doing these things. I call it a treadmill. You're on this treadmill, you start working. And you're working trying to earn something that Jesus already gave to you, but you can only receive it by believing. So you're working, working, working on this treadmill, thinking you're getting closer, and then nothing happens. So then you say, well, nothing's happened, and you hear this voice. It's not God. Say, well, you, you need to do more work. So pretty soon you're on this treadmill going faster and faster, trying to earn something you'll never be able to earn, and it's only received by faith. It's received by faith that Jesus paid the price. Your family, you're allowed to receive it. Not because you're good enough or worth it. You're worth it because you are a child of God. You have that nature on the inside of you. That righteousness is not earned, it's received. So while you're on this beautiful road of transformation and you find yourself overcoming things, living holier, pursuing more of God, being a servant to God and people, making your life follow the will of God, spending time praying in tongues and fasting and worshiping and all the things that we teach, be safe. You are his child and he loves you. You are part of the family of God. Be safe with him. Don't be afraid of him. God bless you. Thanks so much for spending time with me. I'll see you soon.